Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and the new Delta 8 capsules. If you're unfamiliar with these products, don't hesitate to give them a call, 405-458-9699. But right now, we are saving you 15% off your online order with the discount code COLBYSHOW, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W. Colby Show is the discount code when you order online at abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code Colby Show for 15% off your online order. Not to mention, it's easy and safe pickup at Artisan Botanicals. They have a drive-thru that is now open, so you can drive through, pick up your stuff after you order it online, and after you save 15%. So, really exciting stuff. Really excited that we're able to save you some money. Discount code Colby Show when you order online, abotanicalcompany.com. So this is the first week in a while that we've had no football over the weekend and no UFC over the weekend. Those have kind of become my weekend staples for the last several months. And obviously with UFC, I mean, it's been um, the better part of a year now. But they took that break in December, but we still had football on the weekend. So, um, you know, I know obviously the Senior Bowl is going on and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the Super Bowl, ready for this matchup. And next week, we'll certainly pay a lot of attention to this matchup. But, uh, you know, as far as sports in general, we've got a lot of things going on right now. Uh, the Deshaun Watson situation in Houston is crazy. Aaron Davis is going to join me in a few minutes and we'll talk about um, what's next for Deshaun Watson as well as what should it cost to trade for an elite quarterback at the age of 25 that's still under contract uh, for multiple seasons. So I think that there are a few examples of some big time trades, but we've never seen in the history of the NFL a quarterback traded in the prime of his career. Um, you know, it's it's either been guys that have come off of big-time injuries like Peyton Manning or guys that are on the back hill uh, part of their careers. And, you know, we've just – there's never been a situation like there is right now with Deshaun Watson in the NFL. So we'll talk about that. Not to mention uh, the, the Baseball Hall of Fame. You know, this time of year it's always an interesting conversation, especially when you look at – right now kind of entering that era of all of these accused steroid users and and some of them confirmed steroid users and what ultimately the Hall of Fame voters decide to do with these guys. So I'll discuss that as well. And, and look, I, I just want to mention once again, I talked about this a little bit last week. I really miss the questions and the interaction and the conversations uh, that, you know, we used to have in, in radio. So if, if there's ever anything you want me to talk about or you have a question or anything like that, don't hesitate to hit me up at Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter, Colby.Daniels on Instagram, and uh, Trey on Twitter hit me up yesterday about the Hall of Fame. So uh, I'll show his tweet after we talk to Aaron and talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame. But right now, we talk to Sean Watson with former Houston Texan fan Aaron Davis. Joining me is former Houston Texans fan, current NFL free agent fan, Aaron Davis. Aaron, Deshaun Watson has made it public knowledge that he has requested a trade from your former team. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess it's just like formal now because it very much seemed like he had already, you know, said he wanted out. He definitely like heavily implied that he wanted out. Now we're just... Uh, I guess we've crossed the threshold of it being public because they go out and they hire David Cooley. Uh, raise your hand if you know anything about David Cooley other than the fact that he was on the staff in Baltimore. 
I don't. Yeah, nothing. He, he coached one year, two years in Baltimore as the assistant head coach, the wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator. Other than, other than that, I don't know a lot about the dude. He was in Buffalo before that as quarterback's coach. I, he's, been, he's like 100 years old. You're bringing in a guy that's, uh, I, I don't know. It, it's just, it, it's a very uh, lackluster move. And I get it because of their organization is so messed up right now from top to bottom. Nobody wants to go in there and work with Jack Easterby. Nobody wants to work with Cal McNair. The roster is completely gutted. It's old. Uh, you're probably going to lose J.J. Watt. You're probably going to lose Deshaun Watson. I mean, you've got... No DeAndre Hopkins anymore. Like the defense is terrible. You've got Bernard McKinney and Zach Cunningham long signed to extensions that they probably shouldn't be being signed to, and no draft picks. Like you're literally working with nothing. So I, like I said a couple weeks ago, if I'm Eric Bieniemy, they offered me this job, I'm telling them no. I'm I'm better off staying in Kansas City for another year and just seeing what's available in 2022. I guess. Yeah. Uh, as far as coaching availabilities, because it's just not. It's a terror. It's one of the worst head coaching jobs right now in all the sports. And now you're and now I don't blame Deshaun Watson. Yeah. The well, fact that, when you add I mean, the superstar quarterback wanting out, then that kind of punctuates it. Yeah. Even with Deshaun Watson, they were four and 12 this year. So, you know, it's not a good spot. Right. They're not built to win right now, even with and it's and Watson played every game. He was held, he, like he played really well. You could argue it was the best season he's had in his career so far, and you still only win four games. So yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I'm a. It, it sucks too. For, I mean, I get it's. I, I say it sucks, but it. I mean, it does suck because you know, growing up as a Houston sports fan, like there's, I, I, I was too young to really see or understand the Rockets championships. The Astros, like, they're, of course, their peak has been within the last, you know, five years, yeah. but a lot of controversy, and, like, I'm very torn on how I feel about all of it, and, like, their World Series championship doesn't really, I don't, I don't know, it's just kind of tainted for me, so right. I, it's hard for me to enjoy that. The Texans, I have, I remember their first game against Dallas on that Monday night, or that Sunday night game, it, uh, actually, where they beat Dallas, you know, David Carr and Corey Bradford. I don't even remember. Corey Bradford, Jamar Gaffney, guys like that. <laughs> like, making plays. I, I remember their first game. Yeah. I've watched almost every game. I can probably count on my hand, two hands, how many games I've missed in their entire existence. And it's it's embarrassing how poorly that organization has developed over the past five years. Well, the fact that they systematically allowed Bill O'Brien to tear it down a piece at a time and watched him tear it down a piece at a time, like nobody decided to step in until it was way too late. And by that point, you have a 25-year-old franchise quarterback now that is like, get me out of here. This this place is terrible. And look, there aren't a bunch of Deshaun Watsons walking through the door, right? Every team in the NFL is trying to find a Deshaun Watson. The Texans have the most difficult part of the puzzle to find. And then they tore everything around him down. I could confidently say right now, there's probably 
what, like five teams, five or six teams that wouldn't swap their quarterback for Deshaun Watson today? I mean, the Chiefs wouldn't, obviously. But other than that, I mean, I, I don't know that that uh, anybody else. I mean, who who else? I don't. I don't think Buffalo would. I think that. I think that Arizona would be a tough sell right now. I obviously Deshaun Watson would be an upgrade over Kyler Murray today, but I think that would be a tough sell for Arizona. Jacksonville's not going to give up Trevor Lawrence, obviously. Right. They're not going to give up that first pick. They're not going to bring him in. Well, and they're not good enough to take advantage of Deshaun Watson being in his prime, whereas with Trevor Lawrence, you kind of grow with him. But, yeah. Right. And the, but, I mean, you if, know, you, big... if you just needed to win today, or if you just needed to win for the next three, let's just say, like, three seasons or five seasons. Yeah. Like, the Josh Allen thing's probably a preference thing. Give me Deshaun Watson over Josh Allen, but I get that Buffalo Same. would say maybe say no to that. But, you know, Josh Allen's probably in that group. Um, Patrick Mahomes. Other than that, like, if, if you're the Cardinals and you want to try and win a Super Bowl in the next three years... He's probably going to give you a better chance, yeah. Deshaun Watson puts you there. And I'm, I'm a big yeah. Kyler Murray fan. I don't think the Chargers would trade Justin Herbert. But the interesting factor in this whole situation is he has a no-trade clause, so he is literally gets to pick and choose where he goes. And if he approves a trade to the Jets, you know he desperately just wants to get the hell out of there. And by by all accounts, I hope he does. I hope they trade him. I wouldn't be shocked if they just. I mean, if I, I guess if he's if he's not going to sit out, then trade him. I, I don't know. I just I'm trying to think in my mind if there's a scenario where Houston would be stubborn and not trade him. And I just don't know why, other than them just being stubborn uh, jerks, like, I don't, why would they do that? But I wouldn't put it back, I wouldn't put it back, Jack, wouldn't put it past Jack Easterby, that was tough getting out, and uh, yeah. Cal McNair to just let him sit and pout on the bench or, you know, at home while he holds out. Yeah, look, I, I they're going to get plenty of offers, that's the first thing. But secondly, you're, you're not just going to give him away, so even, I mean it's going to have to be a team effort for them to get the right deal, A, to trade Deshaun Watson, and B, a place that Deshaun Watson wants to go. So I don't know how many potential teams there are out there that will both satisfy what Deshaun Watson wants as far as a team to to play for and also have the, the capital to give up to acquire Deshaun Watson to make the deal possible. So that's that's where it's interesting. That's why I think the Jets are a possibility, and I think Deshaun Watson understands that, that maybe the Jets are in a position, unlike a lot of other teams, that they have enough assets to give up to get Deshaun Watson in there. But um, yeah, I, I saw this tweet from Tom. For, by all accounts, he's a big Robert Sala fan, and yeah, I, I think that that's going to be his selling point if he approves the trade to go to New York is to play with Robert Sala because I mean, I, we talked about the Texans roster just being completely trash and not ready to win anytime soon the Jets aren't in any better position to win ball games right now so if he's going there it's because of Robert Sala yeah I yeah I mean I could see easy scenarios for a lot of teams I could see a scenario where for Miami Miami makes a lot of sense to me especially if Houston is really uh as high on two as they say they are New York makes sense if you can get that number two pick back and get Justin Fields 
Carolina makes sense. Like, there's a lot of teams that make sense to me. Uh, New Orleans makes sense, even though I don't think that New Orleans would. I don't think New Orleans could make that trade. I think they would have to give up Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara to get into Sean Watson. I don't know. I don't know if they're willing to do that necessarily. I don't know why. Would you get, would you trade Alvin Kamara for for Deshaun Watson? Yes, absolutely. Obviously, you'd have to give up more than Kamara to. Yeah, you. I mean, pull the deal, but Alvin Kamara is a great player. No disrespect, to Alvin Kamara, but finding Alvin Kamara is not nearly as difficult as finding Deshaun Watson. True, very true. I mean, it's just it's you know, you can find running backs and especially running backs that give you the versatility that that Alvin Kamara does nowadays. Like, it's just there are so many of those kind of guys. And, and look, Alvin Kamara is a special player, but um, the drop-off from Alvin Kamara to, you know, I mean, for crying out loud, Latavius Murray is productive pretty that, productive yeah. in that offense. So, uh, yeah, I don't think that, yeah, I wouldn't be. There's, there, I mean, honestly, there's nobody on that roster that I wouldn't trade for Deshaun Watson. Would you trade Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara? Yeah, probably. Okay. One guy's kind of been a pain in the ass. And, For, you know, yeah. Yeah, and, and the other thing too. is you're going to have to pay those guys a lot of money going into second contracts. And yeah, it's just a franchise quarterback trumps any skill position. Skill position players are the easiest players to find in the NFL. For sure. Yeah, so definitely. yeah. We I, talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. In a heartbeat. I Again, there's just... When you talk about the cost for Deshaun Watson, I, I started thinking about this this morning right after the initial uh, news broke that he wanted out officially. What would it realistically cost for a team, if you're not going to give up any players, if you're just giving up draft picks, what would it cost to get Deshaun Watson? And I, I was thinking about some drafts. And the first two that come to mind are obviously the Ricky Williams draft, where the All uh, of them. <laughs> the Saints gave up everything for Ricky Williams. They gave up an entire draft, and then they gave up a couple more picks. So ultimately, to to just get in position to draft Ricky Williams, the Saints gave up two firsts, two thirds, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh. I mean, if the Saints could get that for uh, a running yeah, back, go ahead and go ahead and take. Yeah, that is one of the worst trades of all time, obviously, and. It's crazy that to, to think in like 1998, I I know it was a crazy trade in 1998, but you're thinking, you know, Ricky Williams is pretty damn good. Like running backs are really important. Like, yeah, I kind of see where they're coming from. And then now thinking about it in 2021, we're like, I wouldn't give up a third round pick for a running back. Right. Right. But but to to, uh, to bring it closer to home, to go to the, the quarterback route and to go at least somewhat recently the RG3 draft pick. Washington traded three firsts and a second to draft a quarterback that had never taken a snap in the NFL. Three number ones and a number two to get RG3. And we're talking about with Deshaun Watson, a guy that's an elite quarterback. He's only 25 years old. He has years of NFL experience, bright future, and contract control for the next three years. Yeah, this is something I've been struggling with for about a month now, ever since like Deshaun Watson like kind of started publicly criticizing the organization and kind of dropping these very obvious hints that he wants out. I don't know how to evaluate Deshaun Watson's value, true value, because I cannot think of another time where there was a 
an elite level quarterback in their prime yeah. that got traded. It's never happened. So I, yeah, I don't have anything to reference as far as like what his value would be. Like you mentioned RG3, but that was obviously before he had ever taken a snap in the NFL. We know Deshaun Watson is an all pro caliber starting quarterback at this point, And it's, and one that doesn't get hurt a lot. He never gets hurt. He plays every game. Outside of his torn ACL his rookie year, he has stayed healthy. He's taken a lot of hits. He's taken a lot of punishment, but he made it. He always plays. He's reliable. He's consistent game to game, and it's it's a high-level consistency. So I think realistically, you're probably – it's probably going to take three first. Minimum. I, I can't at imagine minimum, a scenario yeah. where you, you don't get at least three number ones considering they – you know, there was a trade made – within the last 10 years for a quarterback that had never played a down in the NFL that got three ones. So if it's Miami and I think Miami's, I think a Miami trade package would be probably the best they offer. They would get on the table. If it's Tua, both their first round picks this year and like two more first or one more first and a couple seconds. Like I think that as long as you're evaluating Tua as essentially a first round pick, yeah, like you're getting an like he is counts as a first round draft pick. Then you're getting four first and maybe some middle round picks. Yeah, and, and you know if Houston has to throw in like a fourth or a fifth round pick in there to kind of, you know, make Miami happy, then I think that's it's definitely worth it. Yeah, it's uh, it's just it's never been done in the history of the NFL. Like I'm trying to think of the most high profile quarterback moves in the history of the NFL, obviously like Tom Brady this year, but you know, Tom Brady's been in the league. He's 43 years old. Uh, Peyton Manning going going to Denver was coming off of a career threatening injury. Uh, Joe Montana leaving San Francisco to Kansas city. Also a career threatening injury. Um, Drew Brees going to new Orleans possibly, but even then he had the arm issues in in San Diego. Yeah. And, and look in San Diego, I mean, I, I don't think anybody Anybody thought Drew Brees was a long-term starter in the NFL, much less a, an elite I mean, quarterback. They drafted Phillip Rivers. Yeah, well, they exactly. Phillip Rivers, but they they traded for Phillip Rivers. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, Drew Brees became a great quarterback, but it's yeah. not like he he wasn't an elite quarterback when he was traded. Same thing for like Brett Favre was traded after year number one in Atlanta to Green Bay. But Not I mean, yet. he we wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't Brett Favre yet. Same thing for Drew Brees. He wasn't Drew Brees yet. So, um, yeah, there's just this is never we've never seen this in the history of the NFL. I don't. I, I like. I don't even know what the uh, what the bounty should be on this. Like it's it's never been done before. It. I would say it's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be a a price that we've never seen paid for a player. Yeah. I mean, like I, I hear three first round picks and, and I'm like, good Lord, that's a lot at the same time. Like it is a lot. Do do you want to spend the next, how many years drafting guys like Christian Ponder or, I mean, there's, there's a million guys that have been taken in the first round that are just complete misses. Right. In, In, yeah, Brady Quinn or, you know, name name your first round pick that didn't work out. So I'm on ESPN right now. They've got uh, 17 trade proposals for Deshaun Watson. They're here's a trade proposal for Miami. They sends Deshaun to Miami. 
Houston gets the third, 36, 113th picks in this draft, a 2022 first-round pick, a 2023 fourth-round pick, and they send Tua, not to Houston, but to Chicago. Oh. Chicago sends the 20th pick to Houston and then a couple of picks to Miami. And I look like I look at that trade, and if Houston comes out of that deal without Tua, then it's not worth it. That's a terrible trade. They need two first-round picks. Th- uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like that's, these, that's an awful trade. These trades that people are throwing out, yeah. These th- trades that people are throwing out are obnoxiously undervaluing Deshaun Watson. Here's, here's another one. Carolina sends the 8th and 39th picks in this draft and a 2022 and 2023 first-round pick in Teddy Bridgewater to Houston. And Houston sends back a third, fourth, and Deshaun Watson. Yikes. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and here's the other thing. You have to also kind of evaluate where the first-round picks are going to be because, you know, first-round picks aren't just first-round picks. I mean, uh, you know, if you're giving me three first-rounders but two of them are in the 20s, well, that's a different story than, you know, anticipating that you're getting three guys in the top 10 to 15. Right. If Carolina has Deshaun Watson, those first-round picks in 2022 and 23 are probably going to be yeah, they're a playoff. playoff. Yeah. At, yeah, at the end of the first round, both times. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that's a uh, that's just a absolutely terrible trade. Man, uh, the Miami thing makes fun, sense though. because if you could get Tua, then you already have the quarterback. You would right. also have and a you top around them. Yeah, you would have a top five pick this year. You know, and then then you know if you're getting a couple other first round picks, it it's not quite as important to be in the top ten necessarily. So, but, but in this trade with Miami, they're just getting back their own first round pick this year for Miami, yeah. not getting Tua and getting the Bears 20th pick. That's terrible. Oh, man. I, yeah. I really, I think I'm rooting for Deshaun to Carolina, though. That offense would be, uh, that would be a lot of fun. To me, it would seem hard for them to keep him in the AFC. I've thought that the whole time. Like, I know Miami and, the Jets seem to be the most popular landing spots, but man, it would be really hard to trade him within the division or, or as long within, as they a, don't within the conference. As long as they don't trade him to Indianapolis, I don't care where he goes. I agree, but they're also going to be so bad. They're so far removed from being contenders or yeah. be, really even being a playoff team right now Yeah, that I think they're just going to take the best offer on the table they can get. Even... Excuse me. Even if it's in the division, I think that they would heavily consider it. I don't. I. I think that they. I obviously. I would assume they don't want to trade them in division. But I mean, if the Colts come in and they offer them like five first round picks, it's gonna be tough to turn down. If the Colts right now, as they're built, were to get Deshaun Watson, I mean, they're they're competing against the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, they're they had Philip Rivers this year, who was fine. He was okay, but. I mean, he's he obviously 38, 39, 40 years old, whatever he yeah. is, and they won, what, 12 games? Yeah. Jonathan Taylor, like, came on late. Their defense is really good. Yeah, Deshaun Watson. There's a lot of teams. There's a good handful of teams. If they brought in Deshaun Watson, he's a, they're immediately contenders. How about San Francisco? Yeah. I, I mean, next year San they get Francisco all those guys probably healthy again, and then, yeah. Matt. One of the best, well, I think Kyle Shanahan is one of the best, the three best coaches in the NFL right now. Get those guys back, pair them up with 
Deshaun Watson, like they have to be the favorite in the NFC next year. Absolutely. Yeah, it, I mean, it's uh, it's crazy to me that this uh, is. Pr- it looks like probably going to happen, and for the first time in NFL history, we're going to see a like top five elite quarterback in the prime of his career, not on the you know decline, getting traded. And and man, the fact that the Houston Texans have screwed this up so badly that they're at this point is mind blowing. So okay, before I let you run, um, as far as your free agency. What direction are you looking? Because I know that you enjoy pain and suffering, uh, and I was just going to just let you know that, I mean, you can get plenty of that being a Dallas Cowboy fan, so I, I don't mind saving you a seat if that's uh, something you want to pursue. The Dallas Cowboy thing is tough because <laughs> I am 100% confident my family would disown me if I decided to uh, be a Cowboys <laughs> fan. So I think I'm going to just – I'm going to take the decision out of my hands, and wherever Deshaun Watson goes – that's the team I'm a fan of. Oh, okay. If And I'm praying he doesn't go to the Jets, but if he goes to the Jets, I'm a Jets fan now. You're going like, to become a Jets fan if Deshaun Watson goes to the Jets. Yeah, it's... Uh, look, I'm going to... He. Uh, I went through ten, a decade and a half of watching the worst quarterback after quarterback go to Houston. Right. And for the first... They, Deshaun Watson goes in there, and I watch highlights of him. And I, I get tears in my eyes, and I'm like, oh, we finally have a quarterback. We're finally, like, I don't have to watch Sage Rosenfels and Brock Osweiler throw passes. And they screwed it up, and I'm going to ride with Deshaun Watson wherever he goes. And even if it's the Jets, God, I hope it's not the Jets. I feel like, the, the I feel like if, they, if he goes to the Jets, then you're just going to live through the same thing again with them completely failing around Deshaun Watson, and you're just going to be frustrated once again, with another organization. Yeah. yeah, probably so, but I just, I don't know. I, I just want to, I want to root for him so bad to win wherever he goes that it's going to be hard for me to be that invested in his performance and another team. Yeah. So I think I'm probably just going to go with wherever he goes. Even if he gets traded to Dallas, I guess I'm a Cowboys fan. Okay, fair enough. So, but it's because, you know, it's out of, I can, my fam, what can my family say? I told it's yeah. out of my hands. There you go. You, yeah, you've, you've already said that you're not picking the team where Deshaun Watson lands will determine that. So fair enough. Yeah. I think Indianapolis is probably the only team that I wouldn't be a fan of if he went there. Is that your most hated team in the NFL? I hate the, it's, it's the Colts and Ravens one and two. Okay. If, if the Cowboys ever won anything, they would be at the top, but yeah. They're, they let everybody down too often. It's kind of just like, oh, uh, not really worth my time right, to hate. Right, yeah, I get that. I get that. Uh, all right, man, I will let you run. Um, obviously, uh, just want to get your thoughts on the whole Texans thing. As you, uh, th- By the way, the Photoshop of the uh, Ian Rappaport, uh, Aaron Davis is officially uh, a free agent, was hilarious. Big news. I'm glad that uh, 10 million people... Yeah, like that. Uh, yeah. I was out for agent. Yeah. yeah. So for those that missed it on Twitter at Mr. Davis Media, uh, great tweet. All right, buddy. Have a good day, uh, or try right, to. Anyway. to. Go buy some stock. <laughs> <laughs> right, see see ya. ya. That was Aaron Davis joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast. So I told you guys last week that I wanted to have a little bit more listener interaction, and if it's just simply by tweeting me, then you're more than welcome to to send me a message or ask a question or whatever. 
and uh, I'll do my best to, to stay up to date on those things at Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter, or you can message me on Instagram, Colby.Daniels. But, uh, you know, I, I, I miss the live interaction during shows. So uh, if, if there's anything you want to talk about or you want to argue a point, um, feel free to hit me up, and, and I'm more than happy to, uh, to again, go over your questions or, or respond in some way to whatever it is we're talking about. But I like this question from Trey yesterday because I don't think the answer can be, especially with this question, I don't think the answer can be summed up in 280 characters on Twitter. So this is one of those that deserved a little bit more explanation anyway, and, and that's what I really appreciate. So Trey says on Twitter, at Colby underscore Daniels. I know you love baseball, so what's your thoughts on the steroid guys getting in or not getting into the Hall of Fame? So this is a really tricky situation and something that I think over the years I've kind of seesawed on and gone back and forth with. And, and you know, I think there have been circumstances where I've just kind of been worn out by the conversation and thrown my hands up in the air and said, you know, just if you want to let them in, let them in. And I've, I've gone back and forth. And it's really just a it's a tiresome conversation to have and there's not really a right answer because there are so many layers to the whole PED steroid major league baseball conversation. And you know, the, everybody's circumstance is obviously different. So I, I don't think it's as simple as if you did it, then you can't get in. Or if you didn't, you know, like I, I don't think you can just throw a blanket over uh, keeping guys out if they were, guilty of steroids and, and, you know, to, to go a step further there, let me just pose the question. What is being guilty of using steroids? Because there are multiple players that we're right now having the conversation about that have connect connections to steroid use, but there may not necessarily be definitive proof. So what, what is the measure of proof that we need for us to say, this guy's not going to get into the hall of fame because we're using this as a punishment um, you know, obviously there are guys that admitted to doing steroids. Um, you know, Mark McGraw, Mark McGuire is a guy that admitted to doing steroids. Uh, Jason Giambi is a guy that admitted to doing steroids. There are guys that are Hall of Fame caliber players that have tested positive for steroids. Um, Rafael Palmero is a guy that tested positive. Alex Rodriguez, obviously, is a guy that tested positive. Manny Ramirez is a guy that tested positive. All of those guys are Hall of Fame baseball players, but they have positive tests. So is it simply... You tested positive, so that that keeps you out. Because if that's the case, obviously, Barry Bonds never tested positive and never served a suspension in Major League Baseball for steroid use. So, you know, my question, I, I think, when you start talking about steroid guys and getting into the Hall of Fame, I don't think it, I don't think it's fair to keep everybody under the same steroid umbrella. But I also think if you're going to start going through the gray area of every circumstance, then you have to identify what you consider to be a, a steroid user. Because I'll just give you a good example, or I'll give you a few examples of different situations. Let's start with this one. So Jose Canseco, back in the day, kind of got this, the ball rolling with a lot of this stuff, and he accused several big-time baseball players of using steroids. Among the notables that Jose Canseco accused of using steroids, Mark McGuire, who later admitted to using, Jason Giambi, who later admitted to using, Rafael Palmero, who tested positive for using. So there are three guys that Jose Canseco accused of doing it 
that at this point in time, we know did it. He also accused Pudge Rodriguez of doing it. Those two guys played together for the Texas Rangers. I'm a huge Pudge, Pudge Rodriguez fan. And I'm not going to sit here and, and try to pretend whether I know or don't know whether Pudge ever used steroids. But I'll say this. It, it's certainly not a good situation to be accused of doing it when you consider several of the other guys Jose Canseco accused are either had a positive test or admitted to doing it. So, but is that an, is one person saying that, that you did it enough to definitively say that you were a steroid user and then keep you out of the hall of fame. So that's the first example, by the way, Pudge Rodriguez is in the baseball hall of fame just a couple years ago. He was elected. So he's there and he was a guy that had the finger pointed at him without any proof. Then you can go to a guy like David Ortiz, who's going to be on the ballot next year. Another guy that is a guaranteed Hall of Famer from from just a resume standpoint, from his career, the numbers, the big moments, uh, obviously the Red Sox World Series. David Ortiz is a no-brainer Hall of Famer if you remove the steroid situation. He has a positive test that took place back in 2003, the year before the Red Sox broke the World Series curse. Now, here's the tricky part about David Ortiz's situation. This positive test apparently has... uh, has this unknown element attached to it where the commissioner of baseball even questioned the accuracy of the tests. So not saying that he didn't do it or not saying that he didn't test positive. Also not saying that he did. All we know is he was on the list of, of positive tests in 2003. And, and among that list, the commissioner of baseball said, take it for face value. And it's certainly possible that, Guys that were on the list weren't actually steroid positive. So, like, to what degree of proof do we feel like we need with David Ortiz and his Hall of Fame case? Um, you know, going back to the Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens situation, I think it's interesting because the, the argument I, I most often hear for Bonds and Clemens is that they were Hall of Fame players before they were steroid users. And that if you had stopped their career when they started using steroids, if it had just ended at that point, they were Hall of Fame players. And, and I agree with that. But if, if you're going to hold those guys to that criteria where they were Hall of Fame players before we, knowing, before we knew they started taking steroids, what do you do with a guy like Manny Ramirez? Because Manny Ramirez is also a, 100% a Hall of Famer. But he has two positive tests in at the very end of his career with the Dodgers, and then I forget where the other one was. But at the end of his career, after he had basically put together a Hall of Fame resume, he tested positive twice in Major League Baseball. So, like, what do you do with Manny Ramirez? Because I I would say the same thing about Manny Ramirez that a lot of people say about Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, that he was definitely a Hall of Famer before he had those positive tests. Now, do we know that he wasn't using earlier in, her, in his career? The answer is no. But, I mean, all we, what we do know is when he tested positive, obviously it was past his prime. And, you know, the, the Hall of Fame resume had, had basically already, be, already been written. So it's, it's just a tricky conversation to have. It's a slippery slope to go down in terms of deciding who and who who is and who isn't a Hall of Famer first and foremost, but who and who isn't, um, you know, a steroid user, I think is is something that, that has to be considered. And here's the other part of this. There are guys that, 
you know, say they used it one time and admitted admitted to using it. Um, you know, Gary Sheffield's a really good example of this. Gary Sheffield hit one of the, you know, quote-unquote Hall of Fame milestones that that pretty much, you know, before steroids was a guarantee to get you into the Hall of Fame. He's he's in the 500-plus home run club. Well, he said that he unknowingly used it and that he was mad when he found out exactly what it was, and that's basically the end of it. So, you know, Gary Sheffield obviously isn't Barry Bonds, and he isn't Roger Clemens, and I don't know that that people would say Gary Sheffield, you know, without a doubt, was a Hall of Famer, but... Again, anybody that I think to that point had hit the 500 home run milestone is an automatic in to the Hall of Fame. So I I would just say this. If there were zero questions about Gary Sheffield and steroids, I think he would be in the Hall of Fame today. I think hitting that 500 home run mark would absolutely put him in. But because there was the admission of using it once unknowingly, I think people just, you know, they question or not whether that's the truth, how long he had been using it, and he's kind of grouped, I think, into that same category. So it, it, there's not a right answer to it. I, I don't think that there is any clear-cut way to, to you know, put these guys in a black-and-white situation. They did it or they didn't do it, and everybody's situation is ov- obviously differently different, but I think there are elements of everybody's situation that may apply to somebody else that, you know, may, may make you put one guy in and make you keep one guy out. And uh, yeah, it's there. I, there's just not a, there's not a definitive yes or no answer on this topic whatsoever. I would say this number one, f- for the people that criticize the baseball people that do this, and and look, I I'm, I've certainly been guilty of criticizing the process and and things of that nature, so I'm I'm lumping myself into this category to a degree, but I I do feel like a lot of the times the people that criticize the process and the Hall of Fame voters are people that may not even be big baseball people, so that's you know for, for the guy that may watch two or three baseball games a year or maybe you know watches the world series games and then has some grand opinion on how baseball people should handle this. I, I think that's a little bit ridiculous. If you're not a baseball guy, um, you know, for you to be the most outspoken person on the matter seems a little bit crazy to me. Um, you, I mean, that guy's probably not going to the hall of fame anyway, or has zero um, drive to ever go see the hall of fame. So that, that, to me, is also one of those things that, that makes this whole conversation hilarious. Mr. Baseball is boring, and I, I'm never going to watch it, has the biggest opinion about the way the Hall of Fame should handle the steroid situation. Um, but, but look, the bottom line is the guys that are making these decisions are guys that have spent basically their careers invested in the game. And for as much as there are situations with the voting that I don't like, I hate the idea that somebody would not vote for a player on the first ballot because they don't want them to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but they don't mind voting them on the second or third. That to me is crazy. You're either a Hall of Famer or you're not. But again, that aside, I I think these are baseball people that, you know, obviously hold the game to a a certain level that, that a casual fan is not going to. And I think where I finally when it's all said and done, where I kind of land on this deal is the fact that more than anything, I feel like keeping these guys out of the Hall of Fame is a punishment maybe for the guys that that were never busted, so to speak, and never 
had to serve a punishment, but also I think it's a deterrent because one of the worst things that ever happened to baseball is a guy that was a steroid user breaks Hank Aaron's home run record, right? Hank Aaron is our rest in peace just passed last week. One of the, the, you know, icons of the game and for as great as a player as he was, I think he was also a deserving record holder because he just was that good of a person. And to see a guy like Barry Bonds, who obviously cheated to get to that point, break the record, I, I think it just leaves a sour taste in a lot of baseball people's mouths. So if you are in that category that says we need to use this as a deterrent for the guys that are Barry Bonds caliber players from taking that next step and elevating their game to that next level with PEDs, then I, you know, I, I totally get that there, there have been a bunch of major league baseball players that have tested positive for steroids and we don't have the conversation about them. You know, it, it's kind of irrelevant. I think to most people, if the starting second baseman for the Cincinnati Reds that most people can't name test positive for steroids and serves his 50 game suspension and then comes back a year later and just, just, you know, plays out his career. I don't think anybody really cares about that. But where I think you get a massive interest is when there's a guy that, you know, again, to Barry Bonds' credit, is a Hall of Fame caliber player and then cheats his way to being considered maybe the best of all time and breaking all-time home run records. You know, I think the Hall of Fame punishment prevents guys that are, are that caliber of athlete from, you know, potentially disrupting the game the way that Barry Bonds did. So, you know, I, I go, I, I'll probably continue to go back and forth on, on this and, and how I feel about it and whether or not guys should be in or not in and to what degree we hold some of these guys accountable based on the level of proof there is. But at the end of the day, I, I think the, the argument that makes the most sense to me is the deterrent argument. We don't want the sport corrupted with guys cheating their way to the top, and a 50-game suspension to me is not enough to prevent that from happening. So if you're going to say, if you cheat, we're keeping you out of the Hall of Fame, then you know what? I, I think that's the ultimate price to pay for not doing things the right way. So sorry, I've, I've uh, got the burps. But um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I stand on it. And like I said, there's just... There's no clear-cut right or wrong answer to that question. Everybody's going to have different opinions, and I, I don't think you could even draft an outline with with a specific set of guidelines to apply to you know the guys that are going to be eligible for the next few years on the ballot and how you handle it because there are so many similarities, yet at the same time massive differences in each of these cases that, that makes it a really tough situation. So... At the moment, it feels like they've kind of just thrown a blanket over the whole situation and said, you know, anybody that's used um, used is not getting in. But look, Barry Bonds' numbers, the percentage of votes he's getting has, has continued to climb. Same thing with Roger Clemens. And I go back to the Pudge Rodriguez situation, a guy that has been accused of using without any substantial proof is in. So it's not as though uh, we don't have you know, already a situation where a guy has gotten in despite having the finger pointed at him without any proof. So, um, yeah, it's to what degree of proof do you need to keep somebody out of the Hall of Fame? What should they have accomplished maybe before they get in there? And, you know, I think you can find maybe circumstances where if you apply this to one person, 
and you try to apply that to another person, then maybe you, you want to back off the initial statement. But uh, yeah, it's one of those things that I think we'll probably talk about every January from now until, you know, we, we get a definitive set of guidelines on how you're supposed to handle this because there's no good way to decide who is and who isn't a Hall of Famer anyway. Uh, there are multiple players that I think are Hall of Famers that aren't in the Hall of Fame, much less deciding who we have to hold to the standard of being a steroid user, who may have used it accidentally one time, um, who obviously knowingly used it with the purpose of becoming a better player. And, you know, again, I I think there's got to be a a level of proof associated with that stuff rather than just this guy, you know, somebody pointing the finger and saying this guy did it. But um, I love the question. And look, if you have any questions or, or have any arguments about what anything I just said, shoot it over to me and I would love to hear any response. And I'm certainly glad to continue the conversation if anybody wants to do that as well. So I think it's a really interesting topic and it's a really cloudy topic when you start digging through the guys that are going to be on the ballot next year and how you start to dissect, you know, which of those guys is worthy, which of those guys isn't worthy. And do we essentially at some point just throw a blanket over the entire era and say, nope, None of you are getting in. So anyway, that's my thoughts. And thank you, Trey, on Twitter for the question. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and the new Delta 8 capsules. When you order online, abotanicalcompany.com, use the discount code ColbyShow, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, discount code ColbyShow to save 15% off your online order. It's really easy to navigate. 15% off when you order online, not to mention easy and safe pickup. They have a drive through that you can just easily drive through and pick up your online order. So uh, it's it's really simple. And obviously the 15% off is, is a massive deal. So glad we're able to save you this money. Colby Show at checkout, abotanicalcompany.com, 15% off your online order with Artisan Botanicals. Everybody have a great day, stay safe, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Podcast is over.